the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is today so that you have the line of credit ready for when there's an emergency or whenever an opportunity actually comes up. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Tanya Sarit from Synergies and Philanthropy Consulting. Tanya is a nonprofit and fundraising consultant and a certified fundraising executive. Tanya is an on-site and virtual facilitator, trainer, and executive coach who is an association of fundraising professionals, master trainer, and a 21 by 64 multi-generation giving advisor. Tanya has worked in the nonprofit and foundation field for more than 25 years with organizations in North America, Europe, and Israel. She is the founder of Synergies and Philanthropy Consulting. Tanya has presented at national venues and international organizations, and her work work has been published in several fundraising publications, such as the Nonprofit Times and many others. Tanya, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Steve, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. Thank you. Great, great. Uh, Today's topic uh, is, is a great topic as it usually always is. And today's topic is what is what nonprofits can do online to cultivate donors. Uh, is, does it uh, surprise you when you see that many uh, nonprofits have not started working online yet uh, for fundraising? Well, I think it's, you know, it's important to differentiate a little bit what it means to be online. Um, there are so many different opportunities in the online space these days for no- nonprofit organizations that um, it's a little bit of an apple to orange comparison. So many organizations, in particular, you know, when COVID started um, about a year ago, have moved rapidly into the online space. Many organizations have been in the online space before COVID and have been um Engaging donors through, you know, regular webinars, um, some up, um, you know, online update series or um, events like that, and COVID just like repositioned organizations um, as a whole to embrace that online space much more. So you saw all of a sudden in, you know, in March coming up, there was this big concept of what are we doing with our. Um, fundraising events that were scheduled for April, May. And that kind of started like this big push to figure out how to A, raise money online um, and to pivot very, very quickly. 
So there is the one aspect of real fundraising in this online environment in, you know, through, again, fundraising galas, fundraising auctions, um, anything like that. And there's the other component to it where really my focus comes in. It goes to online donor engagement. So instead of looking at just like, what is the bottom line? What am I getting out of the event? From a financial point of view, um, you know, that really is the focus of galas. As an example, they have to raise funds. I mean, most of these funds are raised already before the event. But sometimes, you know, individual smaller donations come in uh, during the program itself uh, online. And I'm looking at what is really happening before and after um big virtual fundraising events like this? How can we use the online space to cultivate donor relationships and make sure that we as an organization continue to have really solid and strong and meaningful connections and ties with our most important um, friends, supporters, funders? Yeah, so maybe you could uh, give me some examples of of some uh, nonprofits that you've worked with um, where they weren't doing any uh, type of online fundraising and, you know, maybe an example of what they were doing and then how they either integrated online fundraising or they, you know, really went to online fundraising. Right. So I think, you know, again, um, my differentiation is here that, in terms of in the fundraising world, you know, there is fundraising is a very broad, as you know, a very, very broad field has so many different aspects to it. But if you look at major donor fundraising, and that's really my sweet spot, it's all about donor engagement and building relationships long before a gift is being made, before an opportunity is presented to a funder. So because it's all so relationship-based and not transactional, the key is now in this time of COVID and social distancing, how to make sure that these relationships really are solid and strong. And what I found in, you know, and again, it goes back to like the differentiation between the core fundraising events and donor cultivation, that donors um, as a group, and again, they're all differences and, you know, nobody is the same, but, you know, if you put them in like, a little bit of a generalization, donors are looking to for an organization that fulfills their dreams, um, that resonates with them, you know, in, in terms of their cause, their mission. But at the same time, people are also very tied to an organization because of the people who make up the organization. And it could be the leadership, it could be fundraising staff, it could be other donors that really set this organization apart and create a stronger bond with the organization. And that's where I'm coming in. And, and to give you an example, because of the, you know, this difference, um, what organizations have done successfully, I would say, um, in particular organizations who have a more um, regional, national, and even international donor base um, is using, as an example, Zoom as a platform to provide regular, you know, one-hour um, updates, bring in experts, um, showcase, you know, what the organization is doing, and staying in touch with their donors and during this, you know, um, you know, unusual times. However, what is lacking in that moment of connection is the true 
connection. So it's a, like a, a little bit of a one um, one way, you know, um, event where the organization is in the center presenting um, and showcasing. But the donors are sitting back and I always call it like it's a TV style experience. You know, you you have your remote, you press a button, you relax and the organization is doing is hosting, is doing the show for you. Um, but from a fundraising perspective, it's so much driven on relationships. There is something that is missing, an opportunity that is not being um, seized in that moment. And that's why I'm um, very much um, an advocate for highly interactive, personal and engaging um, experiences online that kind of supplement what you see in the traditional webinars. Again, supplement also, and it's very different from the traditional virtual galas and you know fundraising events that you that, that you see, but put the donor into the center and assure that it's interactive relationship building, create a lot of peer-to-peer connections so that you leave the session energized and with a great feeling about the organization, but most importantly, a great feeling about the people that are behind or part of the organization. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you that's So that's interesting. So are, are you, so you could go from the original the idea of having a presentation with a whole bunch of people on a zoom call um, to individually meeting with all of your top donors individually through Zoom instead of a phone call. And certainly now we can't, you know, meet with them personally, or like you said, if it's international or whatever, that's, it makes it easier. So are you seeing Zoom uh, calls being used a lot more to make it more personal when you're talking about working with bigger donors? Yeah, so it's, you know, what I've seen is that many organizations have um, have tried uh, creating more intimate meetings on Zoom, you know, meetings with a small group of donors, with the CEO, the president, and making it highly exclusive. And that's absolutely wonderful. That's, you know, the direction to go, go into, because again, what it allows is to have a more intimate, personalized experience. Um, what I'm training uh, fundraisers and and that has been you know again a big focus of mine over the last year since COVID started um, I designed a training that focuses on creating virtual donor engagement opportunities for um, for fundraisers it's all based on a philosophy of uh, bringing in facilitation techniques that are not really part of the fundraising toolbox often bringing them in, um, merging them with best practices and fundraising and creating online opportunities for donors to engage. And when I say engage, really, I'm talking about groups of donors. So I'm not talking just, um, you know, five people, um, more an intimate meeting with the CEO and president. I'm talking about uh, creating opportunities for different donor segments that can be 25 people and it can be higher up to 100 um, because many of these facilitation techniques are absolutely scalable. But what they all do, they break up the online space into intimate moments. So um, it's about you know being seen, 
as an individual, as a donor, and having opportunities, you know, very thoughtfully designed opportunities to talk and exchange ideas with others um, that are similarly um, either passionate about giving to the organization or are the ones who are leading the organization or are being served by the organization. So it's that kind of angle where I'm coming in from. And it's it's different from, you know, when, when you hear often these days about um, people are, you know, concerned about Zoom fatigue and, um, you know, if it's if it's a team, if it's the uh, the donors, um, they feel like oh we can't do much more because people really had it. The initial kind of energy around Zoom in the beginning of COVID um, is over, and people are now are kind of zoomed out. Um, and I always argue that zooming out happens when people are not engaged and when people are not being seen. And, and again, that goes back to this idea of when you have a webinar format where you are not visible, you're not on camera, um, the organization doesn't recognize that you are there. You don't know if they really, you know, if, if it makes a difference for them if you show up or not. Um, if you cannot meet anyone else, and you're behind this anonymous kind of webinar screen, you you take a step back. I mean, honestly, and I even, I check out. Um, there's only so much of our attention span that can accommodate uh, an environment like this. So I'm coming in to say, use that time, use 60 or 90 minutes and do something very different. You know, you you have no parlor meetings right now. You have no social get-togethers with donors that are part of our regular fundraising cultivation events calendar. Recreate them um, creatively online and show to your donors that this is something very different and that they will not understand at all that 60 or 90 minutes have passed because they are so engaged and have such a good time that they will not notice, um, and they will they will be grateful of having that human connection that is so much missing during you know our crazy uh, COVID time. So that's a little bit the you know the benefit of looking at it from a different angle and and putting the donor into the center as a human being and thinking about why would somebody. At eight o'clock, I mean, on a Thursday evening, for example, make the decision to log on to Zoom and to be part of something if they could, you know, relax with a book or, um, you know, take a walk or do whatever. What makes it different from all the other programs and offerings that are fortunately nowadays available for everyone? Yeah, I like what you're saying. I, I, you know, I can, I can see a couple things. The first thing is um, that if you broke your groups down into, you know, Zoom kind of does okay with, you know, maybe up to six people on it, where because you can see each person's face on the screen. When you get above six people, then you know everyone starts to kind of, you know, get off the screen a little bit. And so I could see where you could break down that that group of people into you know groups of five, and where you can make presentations. So maybe you have your five biggest donors, and they they may not even know each other. And right. you know you kind of get in. You also get into that herd mentality where it's like, 
you know, people start to be able to meet other donors who are like them, and then they even get to talk about themselves, maybe if, if you want that, uh, and if nothing else, an introduction, uh, and, and even ask them why they donate to the organization. And it's just everybody starts to feel, oh, I'm not the only one donating. I'm with these group of people. And, you know, it starts to kind of, and I also like the idea what you're talking about is, you know, these are the times to experiment with new fundraising techniques and new mediums. Uh, I mean, if that's what, you know, recessions and, you know, well, it's, you know, a pandemic, uh, you know, these type of changes uh, facilitate innovativeness. And, and I, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I also, I think too, like there was a, I had a really good uh, podcast with a company called Bongiorno and Bongiorno is a Australian company, but they're doing a lot of work in the United States right now where they make, uh, taking videos and putting it uh, up on your website really, really easy. And they're, they were making a lot of inroads with um, nonprofits where nonprofits in the United States were using it to really showcase the work that, w- that they were, that the nonprofit was doing so that they can bring the work and services that the nonprofit was, you know, easier to the donor base and so you're you're really starting to see video become so much more a part of fundraising, and so it makes you know before we got on today's call, I, it didn't dawn on me that you know using Zoom is much more uh, it, it should be much more part of a donor strategy. Again, what do you Zoom think is, about Zoom that? Is, yeah, I mean, again, Zoom is being used. Um, it, the question is how it's being used. And you're correct that yeah. times of crisis or change have an inherent opportunity of innovation that, you know, that comes along with that crisis, kind of the, the um, you know, the um, the positive, the, the silver lining of a crisis like we are in right now. And the issue is that organizations who are, or the opportunity, it's not an issue, the opportunity for organizations who are seizing that moment to pivot and to look for opportunities beyond what they already have done and what's now not possible can propel into the future because the future will change. I mean, the future is here right now, meaning our mm. nonprofit, how we how we do business as corporations, as companies, as organizations, will never be exactly the same as it was before COVID. What we have learned as individuals and as organizations will stay with us into the future and provide, um, you know, really new opportunities to build relationships. And it goes back to the the core piece, you know, um, as a fundraiser, you're all about relationships. That's where, that's what really counts nothing else. Uh, transactional giving is on a smaller scale, but if you go into the idea of transformational giving, um, giving that really um, is a more thoughtful decision, you're talking about you know relationships that carry that decision. And we need to do um, an excellent job to nourish these relationships and be creative about it. So 
Zoom is, it's not about using Zoom. It's the, the idea here is to use a platform like Zoom, and Zoom is the most robust platform out there and with the greatest capability, and bring in techniques from the facilitation world that make this Zoom room, the Zoom experience, a totally different interactive and engaging um you know, event for your donors. And that's what my background is. You know, I have this interesting combination of having different, I have, I have not two, two feet. I actually feel like I have three feet. One of my feet is very, very grounded in philanthropy and fundraising. That's what my passion is. And that's my core business. At the same time, one of my other foot is, um, is in, is in uh, facilitation. So I'm an innovation person. I look for different techniques to bring from the community of people that inspire me day in, day out, and it pushed me forward in this community of practice to bring these techniques into the fundraising community and use my other foot in the coaching field to kind of create this package that is uh, relevant for organizations. So in terms of Zoom, again, it's not just about inviting people to a Zoom meeting. It's all about designing it thoughtfully from A to C, from the time you invite them to the time you follow up and to the moment they they uh, they um, show up at your at your event. You have to have a great plan, an interactive, thoughtful plan in place with you know facilitation techniques that work and you know are relevant to. The purpose of your experience uh, to unleash people, to unleash their wisdom, to bring them together, to um, you know um, generate conversations, to create a safe space where every donor is you know being seen, and that takes a lot of again a lot of planning, a lot of work, um, but it is worth it because you cannot. Um, you cannot just rely on these one-way um, programs um, if you are in the midst of a crisis that is going on for so long. We don't know exactly when it's going to end. Hopefully, we are in a better place, much better place in the fall, but who knows what's going on. We cannot wait. We can't wait it out. Um, and that's all what it boils down to. It's it's uh, being innovative and you know, stretching out or stretching and moving outside of your comfort zone and bringing in other techniques and tools that are not necessarily part of the traditional fundraising toolbox, if that makes sense. It it does. And I, I, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I think you can't wing it, right? You can't wing a Zoom call and say, oh yeah, it sounds like a great idea. And then all of a sudden, you start scheduling all these Zoom calls and people are like, you know what? That really wasn't worth my time. Exactly. That wasn't anything that yes. was that unique. You know, may, you know, maybe you could give us a couple of insight as to what would make the Zoom call a little different than a regular phone call that, you know, something that you would do in a meeting with a Zoom that that's different. So if you just, you know, just look at the core, what's important. Again, it's it's about, for the donor, you have to look at the donor. It's about being seen, being heard, mm. connecting with people, um, and assuring that the time they spend on Zoom, as an example, that it's a, a time worth spent. And so if you start out with being seen, I mean, one, um, 
you know, effort is when you when you do um, for donors a Zoom experience. Um, you need a really a good team and and really lay it out exactly the roles and who is doing what because they're multi. It's a multi layered approach and things are happening um, really almost simultaneously. So I give you an example. Being seen can can go from the fact that when you when people come into your Zoom room after they are admitted, you know, from the waiting room, um, introduce them, call them out, welcome them by name. Um, have a staff person or a board member, you know, um, either use the uh, regular chat to say, hi, Paul, so great to see you. I'm so glad you were able to make it tonight. Or have people, um, you know, figure it out who is sending personal private messages in chat to, uh, you know, groups of donors saying, Susan, I'm so glad, you know, that you that you were able to be here we, we can't we can't wait for the program. You will have a great time. Um, something like that that makes sure that everyone is seen from the very beginning onwards. It sets you up from a like, wow, who they really, you know, they're really excited about me being here. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening next. And you have to um, you know, understand that the virtual space is a different animal than an in-person event. You know, what is usually missing is um, you know, to give an example, there is a lecture, there is a parlor meeting, and how do people talk and connect is either, you know, over food, they grab a food, the buffet before, hors <laughs> d'oeuvres, or they're sitting next to each other. And on Zoom, this is not really happening. You cannot just casually talk with somebody. So how can you bring that aspect of, let's say, networking into a Zoom experience? Um, and there is a technique, as an example, it's called impromptu networking, where, where you use, um, uh, you know, two questions that are really relevant. They're not like the chit-chat questions of what's the weather and what are you doing, what's your name, but a meaningful question. And you create, um, you know, rounds of short breakout room rounds, like three to four minutes with a pair, in pairs. So people can talk very quickly, rapidly about the invitation, the questions that you that you ask. And you change this up, to, you know, in three different rounds. So people can, let's say a, a Paul, the donor, is meeting at least, um, you know, he's meeting John, he's meeting um, uh, Eli, Eli he's, he's meeting uh, Betty, you know, in three different rounds. He might have known them before, he might not have. But what it does is um, it builds a rapid connection with with somebody. And people, when they come back after these three rounds, they all say, oh, it was not enough time. It was too short. And I love that because it shows people wanted that. People want to talk more. But what it does also, if you do that in the beginning of um, a program, people are loosening up. People are like feel already they're intimate, um, involved. They they um, have gotten to know three people at least. Um, they smile. They loved it. They never did this before for the most for the most part. And so whatever comes next, you know, even if it's a traditional kind of format where you have a guest speaker afterwards, as an example, people are in a much different place already. And it's about creating, you know, bringing in techniques like this that kind of transform the online space into something joyful, 
meaningful and that creates interactions. And there are many other tools like this that are, that I use that come out of the facilitation world that either create, you know, longer conversations um, or are ways for people to spend time together in a meaningful way. Because you see very often, and, and just to, to make a point of this, you see very often that people are trying to use breakout rooms, but it's just for the sake of hitting a breakout room button and sending people out. This doesn't do a thing. Um, you have to be very purposeful about why you're doing it, what you ask people to do, and what is the the purpose of sending them out into breakout rooms in um, in connection to all the other elements of the evening, as an example. So it has to it has to be a real um, it has to be grounded in something. Just to say, oh, you know, we let people meet for. Five minutes in a breakout room is like, okay, it's better than nothing, but um, it doesn't go deep enough. Um, and it's a little bit okay. And and um, it doesn't create the energy. So if you have a meaningful tool, you know, where people can meet each other in rapid rounds, you know, three or four times in the beginning, um, people are energized. They love it. They um, are excited. And this is all what it what you want them to feel. You know, it's you want to excite them about your mission. Obviously, that's always important. But you also want to tell them, hey, you know, we out there. We we want to connect with you. We are interested in you. You you should meet other people. Um, you know, other people believe in us. You you are a great supporter. Meet those folks. You know, we are all a community because we can only do so much great work. Um, because of you. So, um, yeah, it's all about this. It's about building community, exciting people, and being very, very thoughtful about how you go about it in Zoom. Yeah, I, uh, just for those, uh, just to be clear too, for those who haven't used Zoom a lot, um, I know some of them might say, yeah, but some of my older donors uh, aren't computer literate or they really don't know how to do it. You can... Dial, you can call into Zoom too. So just so you know, I mean, and um, you know, some of the uh, older and donors. I have to, you I know, have to say, they, so, yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting because don't okay. be, don't be afraid about um, the age of your donors. Don't make a decision for your donors. Um, in particular, a year in year two after COVID. Um, I have had donors who are in the 90s, highly engaged on Zoom. All what they need is to know how to click on a link. And um, yeah. people have been, because of Zoom and because of the earlier months of Zoom last year, many donors who are on the older, in the older, in the older age bracket, they have learned how to connect with their grandkids and their family members on Zoom. So... I'm encouraging everyone not to make a decision for your donors. Um, you will be surprised how easy pe people are now navigating just logging on to Zoom. And that's all what they have to do. You know, you are making it very easy for them 
They don't have to know how to do breakout rooms because you will do it for them. So uh, be courageous, you know, don't don't overthink it so much. Just plan great uh, in, in a really uh, plan and excellent way. But don't make the decisions for your donors. I'm sorry, Steve, but this is like it comes up a lot. And I always want to say, don't make a decision for your donors because the age is not a factor these days. You know, times have changed. Um, and um, I'm actually because you mentioned the phone number. I'm actually always encouraging organizations not to provide the phone number because, again, I want people to be seen. I want people to participate. And um, I'm only giving out a phone number, you know, if somebody happens to have an audio problem that evening and, you know, there's somebody on call who gives the phone number out, who you know, and they can call in. Um, that's like, a, you know, the, the worst case scenario kind of situation. You're prepared for that. But I want to see people. This is, again, this is a different kind of experience. And even if it means that some people are not joining, the majority will embrace it and will, you know, be part of it. It's the same thing. You can never create an event that is for everyone. If it's a parlor meeting or a donor mission, you name it, it will never attract everyone. So, um, yeah, so that's just another encouragement to be mindful about this and don't let these concerns prevent you from piloting and testing out a program. Yeah, I, I mean, we have a couple of minutes left. And I, I just think that the key, having been on numerous Zoom calls myself, is it's not so much about, I think it's not so much about what you're presenting. Uh, that's important. But I think it's about engaging the people on the call. I mean, everybody wants to be heard. And and everybody who's on a lot of Zoom calls, uh, you know, a lot of times, you, you, you know, your listening can just go so far. And I think people right. want to, you know, I, you know, I think there is an issue with extrovert versus introvert. And then asking an introvert to kind of contribute could be, it might be challenging. And uh, I mean, that's what I kind of think, Tanya, if someone says, you know what, I, I want to create an agenda for a Zoom call that they should probably bring you on board to kind of either, either facilitate or come up with a good set of how the Zoom call should be run. And, uh, you know, and, and th th that way you're kind of, you know, using all your experience to train the, uh, the executive director. This is how, you know, a good call would go on Zoom. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's there too, you know, two ways to it. It's the planning, as, as I mentioned before, is critically important. And it's a purposefully design of the, yeah. I call them experience. It's not a call. It's like a, it's an experience. Um, and you can either, you know, you have to, as a fundraiser, providing such an experience in order to fully get into the swing of it, you have to almost experience it yourself to fully understand what I'm talking about. And, you know, in this way, you know, I've been training fundraisers now from um, North America, Europe, and also Israel uh, since um, the summer of last year. So over 150 fundraisers went to my trainings. Um, I spoke to many others, um, um, had training sessions, smaller ones, but the longer training sessions really uh, is there to get the, to get the, get into the swing 
feel it, what these techniques can do, and then help help you as a fundraiser bring that to your organization. And yes, there's always an opportunity to bring me in to have me you know, to help me design um, a program. And it could be often sometimes it's like the first program to get you started on the right track to kind of kickstart your, um, you know, very engaging um, online donor engagement experience. And that's totally possible. And that's what, you know, what, 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 what I do. And um, I think the key is just, you know, say yes to it, you know, say yes to wanting to try it and experience it. And then there are different ways to go about it. If it's, you know, training, uh, bringing me on or, finding other ways to kind of learn more about what is out there. But um, I would say doing techniques like this and coming from this facilitation lens and, and re or transforming the online space, you know, is a unique angle that I bring to my work as a fundraising consultant. And um, I hope that in the course of, you know, the next few years, more organizations will embrace these opportunities because as I mentioned before, Steve, um, our world has changed. And um, if you have, um, uh, you know, donors who are not all locally in your city or in your community, um, people will look for other ways to stay connected. And I believe that people will be also much more mindful and choosy in the future um, to which ev event they will, will go out to. Um, we've now learned that a lot of more is possible online than we ever thought it would be. So it created a new framework and, um, and it's just absolutely exciting to see what the, what innovation wave we are on and where it will lead us. But as long as we don't lose sight of that, we always have to put our donors into the center of all what we do. And it's all about the human connections. So, um, I mean, that's kind of a, a wrap up to this. You know, it's it's new. Not many have been doing it. You know, I just heard yesterday from an, from a university who has done uh, for the first time uh, a program with the impromptu networking tool that I just mentioned to you, and um, they loved it. It was a very successful program. I was so thrilled to hear uh, one of the universities that went the, uh, that attended my trainings uh, back in um, a university in in Ohio. It's fascinating to see, you know, how these little tweaks and um, thoughtfully designed elements how they can just transform. Um, connections online and and do donor experiences and I'm again as you see I'm very passionate about this and I'm just like want to um, encourage everyone to tap into it. Good stuff. Well, it's a really good podcast. I uh, you know I I guess what, before I went on to this podcast with you, I wasn't sure where it was going to go, and I'm really happy that we covered this Zoom. Because I think it does make a lot of sense, and it's something that I hadn't really thought of. And I think our listeners are going to be really happy about the idea and gives them gives them some creative ideas. So, I mean, that's all the time we have today. But you know, I'd like to thank so very much you, Tanya, for coming on today. Uh, for you know, Tanya, of course, owns uh, Synergies and Philanthropy Consulting. Um, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe to your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please feel, feel free to give us a review on your, on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. 
And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Tanya, if uh, people want to get a, a hold of you, how would they go about doing that? So you can either connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, that's a possibility. You can send me an email um, at Tanya. Tanya was a J, very important. Uh, Tanya at synergiesinphilanthropy.com. You can go to my website. Um, so I think there are different ways to find me. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, check out the, the upcoming trainings that I offer. And, you know, have a conversation and I see how I can help you. And, um, you know, we can look, you know, what your donors are, what you have done so far, what you're thinking about in the future. And let's take it from there. I look forward to it. Yeah, you so you have some trading courses too, correct? Yes. As well? Yes. yes. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, that's yes. on your website. Yes. I create fertile donor cultivation events, trainings, particularly, you know, um, on helping fundraisers, empower fundraisers to do it themselves, to have the tools needed to create these engaging um, donor cultivation experiences online. And um, that's just, you know, fascinating to see how many have been really um, energized by these programs and have been, um, you know, gaining the skills needed to make it happen. Cool. Great. Good stuff. All right, Tanya, thanks for coming on today. Thank really you. appreciate it. And to all our listeners out there, uh, thank you for making the world a better place. Uh, we certainly need it. Uh, we're all certainly coming out of a tough year. Things are improving. And I think we're all happy that things are improving. And uh, these techniques that Tanya showed us today, um, I think a creative way to keep not only your donors engaged, but also to show you new ways that might lead to other ways of fundraising uh, and donor retention in the future. So everybody have a fantastic day. Stay safe. <music> <laughs>